kick this discussion off. Uh, just before we before we start this conversation with John, um, what what did you? Who taught you about money or how to think about it? Any any yes, John? Yeah, okay. He Kelly has an inside track, uh, and that's you know not you know fair. But anyway, uh, wh what? Uh, who, who else? Danya? Yes. Your mom's, yeah. Did did you her, her dad? Okay. Did you? <laughs> did what? Did did anybody have families in which money meant something other than currency? I mean, did it did it mean something else? Like, did it mean anxiety, or did it mean? Prestige, or you know what I'm saying here? Yes. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's that's funny. Uh, <laughs> yeah, fear. Mm. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So that was a little bit of an antidote to some of the fear. Yeah, okay. Uh, other uh, family experiences there. Um, chopping your own firewood for to sell or what? Oh, got it. Uh, okay. So is this, Andrew, this is personal experience then. Got it. Okay, yeah. So we know uh, that that money was uh, maybe a little scarce in those seasons of uh, of your life, um, and it leads to uh, chopping firewood in the cold. Um, what would you do with more money? Use it for yourself. Okay. All right. Um, I I I understand that. Yeah. Yes, Kevin. So if, so if you started, you got a raise and you were getting $30 more a month, that's, that's what you would do with that? Ah, ah, ah. See, now we're talking. We start to say, and I get this. I know how this is. We start to go, well, you know, that's going to, that's, you know, that's a, that's Netflix. That's, you know, Starbucks. That's, uh, a little extra gasoline, whatever. Um, and I understand. 
Because when I said more money, you probably thought, my ship has come in. $500,000. That's, yeah. My ship has come in and it's, and I've bought it. Uh, yeah. Um, but more money is more money. You know, it could be $30 more a month. And it usually is more something like that. Uh, rather than, you know, some fabled ship uh, approaching the harbor. Uh, so, what's that? Okay, I'll, I'll back with you on that. I'm kidding. Um, but we will check back with you. Uh, no, I, I, um, I think that we, money is so, it's not, it's not, um, a coincidence or, or it's not happenstance or it's not without meaning that money and funny rhyme because it, it's just we get we get a little funny in the head sometimes when uh, when it comes to to things of high value uh, like money well we're gonna I want y'all to keep on thinking about all of this uh, as we have this conversation with John John Prinzing is the vice president of the program office of American Funds, and he's also a, a teacher for our 30s, 40s Sunday school uh, class, single adult Sunday school class, and he's been that for many years. His family's very active in this church, and he is a, he's a good friend to me, uh, but to, our, to this group in the church as well. And he's been with us before, so would you please welcome John Prinzing? John, come on up, and let's let's have a money talk. One of the things that I love that you uh, that you sent uh, me before this uh, this evening was that money can't buy happiness, but it can come pretty close. Yeah. Uh, what do you mean by that? I mean. Um. I think you and I were chatting um, over lunch and we were talking about that. I think sometimes as Christians, we, uh, we're a little scared about money because I think we've been, we've been taught that it, it in and of itself is evil. Sure. Right? We say money is the root of all evil, but that's a misquotation of that's scripture. A misquotation. It's the love of money and, and our, so our, orientation towards money can be a root of, of all kinds of evil, but not money itself. That's right. So if you're scared to possess it, then you're not working at understanding how to possess it. But the possession of money isn't evil. And if you can get past the fact that the possession of money is not evil, then I think it's easier for you to get to the point where you can say, I'm going to develop the sophisticated techniques on how to think about money, mm. which acquiring is a part of that right right um and and the point here is that it's one thing to say um money can't buy happiness it's kind of a a fun thing to say but be honest when we ask the question um what would you do with more money all of us probably had a fun thought about that absolutely right? because we know that there will be some happiness from that money you bet it's not going to be the end but it does do a lot of good for us emotionally, uh, from a security perspective. It does a lot for us. So let's admit that and then figure out the, uh, a way to thread the needle between this notion of it's evil 
and uh, it it's the all, be all end all. It's I, somewhere between that. That that is so good for all of us to hear, John, because we are scared about the idea of money. I think, and um, if you can help us inch a little closer and kind of go, the, is it going to bite me? You know, and, and you know, nice, nice money. You know, I mean, if you can help us to do that, that would be great. So uh, I, I, I look forward to that. Um, you, you say don't ignore it, get good at it, and and we're we'll just uh, launch into that. But you have a, a little uh, recommendation for us all regarding an app. Though, don't you? Yes. Um, there's a little app out there. And if you, during this presentation, will download it. If you're on an Apple phone, just type in on the App Store, Compound Interest Calculator. Compound Interest Calculator. It's a very simple app. It's about 1.8K. It's not going to take up much room. It's only got two screens on the whole app. It's kind of a lime green, kind of the color of that thermos that my daughter has. Compound Interest Calculator. You'll download that. We're going to use it later. Yeah, and and by the way, before we go on, um, we are going to. Uh, if you want to um, send in questions, uh, you can go to uh, slido.com and type in the keyword MWIC, and it'll take you to um, to our place where you can type in questions and that way uh, later on when we have a Q&A John can um, answer these questions that come in uh, so that's slido.com that's what it looks like and you'll just type in MWIC ITC um, okay so John um, having uh, said that money uh, is a, a very desirable thing and, and we were talking earlier today, it's like sex, money, and power, you know, those three things. Um, it, it's, it's a highly desired thing. And talk a little bit about your gateway idea there. Oh, yeah. So um, I was trying to think about how these three this, subjects, And this is fascinating. I, I just... These three ideas of sex, money, and power, how are they linked together? And... Um, so I started thinking about it, and I thought, well, one is they're all, they're all desirable. Uh, two, they can consume you. The desire for one or more of those can consume oh, you. And right. there are many people's lives who are consumed in the pursuit of those. The other thought was <coughs> none of them in and of themselves are evil. They're actually all neutral things, sex, money, and power. That's right. The other thing is they're all God-given. God gives them. Bible talks about God owning them and giving them. Yeah. But the last one, and the most interesting one, I think, that Brian was talking about is that if you get one, it's the gateway to the other. <laughs> think about that, right? If you get money, it's often easy to get power. It's also easy to get sex. If you get power, you can get money. That's right. And so it's their gateways to each what, other. Whatever place you start, whichever of those you realities you start, you can two. be a, a gateway to the and other two. We talk yeah. too about, you know, you think about great people, sometimes politicians. Yeah. They actually don't make that much money, but they get power, and then they end up with a lot of money. That's right. And it ends up being that sex brings them down, right? They yeah. all just seem to go together. Yeah, exactly. And and um, so given given that, uh, given that 
that that's the, the gateway. Uh, we're going to have to be alert that in some way uh, these these realities, and so we'd better uh, get wise on, on these things. So, um, there's only certain things you can do with money, and that would be what. I'm curious uh, if anybody remembers the three from the last time. Because John's been with us before. Do you remember this? Remember there are only are? certain things that money There's can do. There's only three things you can do with money. Save it, spend it, give it. Yep. Spend, save, give. That's right. So it's everything we can think of falls into one of those categories, right? Yeah, I... I would love to for someone to challenge that because I've thought a lot about it and tried to figure it out. There's there's another one that's arguable, but I'd be curious if there's another one. But I think that uh, tonight is really all shaped around those three things. That's, that's right. the way we talk about this. Spend, save, give. We're going to talk about those three categories of what you can do with money. Um, but I think going back to the first point about not being scared of money and not being scared to acquire it and possess it and grow it, once you get past that, then I think spend, save, and give are things that you got to become good at. And you should become good at them in a Christian way. There's a, there's a Christian way to become good at those three things. And, and speaking of the Christian way, there, there are these myths that, uh, th these Christian myths. Uh, say a little bit about that. Yeah, it was, it's, it's back to that first point that um, I think we have a myth that you can't acquire money and you can't possess it and you can't. It says that the love of money, yeah. that, that's different than desiring to have some because it does something that you need. That's okay to grow it and build it, to build your career so you can make more money. Those are not bad things in and of themselves. I think sometimes with Christians, we grapple with that. Yeah, we do. We that. do. Uh, and guilt is a, is a huge thing. Guilt just adds another layer of pressure on us that, that consumes some energy and we can't get to dealing with money because we got to deal with all the guilt that goes That's with right. it. So if you can dispel that, all, all the better. Um, all right. So let's get into uh, spending. Here. Let's talk about this spending thing and about credit. You have some ideas about that. Um, credit is a monster. It really is. And, you know, there are a lot of, um, there's a lot of great material out there you can follow. I know Dave Ramsey is uh, one of the, the biggest influences on um, Christendom when it comes to uh, <clears throat> money. But, um, Credit is a monster, and he tells you don't live in debt. The problem with living in debt is you get used to living in debt. You just begin to believe that your life is to be lived in debt and that you will always have a credit card bill and that you'll never get out of that credit card bill, yeah. that you'll always have a car that is that is uh, you're mortgaging it and you're not actually. You've got to, I think, get over that hump and believe and see yourself on the other side of no debt. And I think that there are folks, and I was, when I was, uh, I'm 53. When I was in my 20s, I had some credit card debt. I hated every minute of it. And so, <clears throat> but I had, to, I had to, I had to come to terms with that and say, I don't have to live with this. This was pre-Dave Ramsey, right? And I had to get, come to terms with it. And I think it's important for you to make decisions early to say, this is not the way my life is going to be. I'm not going to live on a credit card. So it's one of the first best decisions you'll make. So given the fact that credit card debt, some kind of consumer debt is very prevalent, what do you say to most of the people that would hear you say that? You know, what 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 do they do they do we just say, you know, I am I gotta walk away from this because I'm not living up to that standard. What what do what do 
people do? I, I think you have to search your soul a little bit of why mm -hmm. you're going into debt. Now, I remember when I was um, probably 29 or 30, in the same week, I had just bought a home. In the same week, it was an older home, both the plumbing went out and the AC went out. And both bills were about $4,500 a piece. So I was $9,000 in debt, just like that. And all I had was a credit card, and I had, I had to do it. But I think we all have to help us during those moments. But often, our credit is not being used for that. Okay. When you look at your credit card bill, if you're not seeing plumbing and emergency and things like that, and there's just a few records on that credit card bill, but you're seeing out to eat, out to eat, out to eat, clothes, 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 gifts, 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 entertainment, entertainment, that's decisions you've made. Okay, now that is very helpful. The kind of things that you see on that bill, I think, can give you a picture of where some corrective needs to take place. Rather than being ashamed, you know, people coming to this in shame, they can just say, I, I want to have some say in oh, this. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <clears throat> perhaps. Yeah, because I think what drives us, by the way, speaking of shame, I think what drives us to make some decisions is that we're ashamed of what it is we don't have or what it is that we do have that doesn't meet some standard. So right. shame becomes the motivator. Sure. And, and then we're we're so much in hock that shame you know we're ashamed of where we are uh with that that's right and, we're ashamed of that and then i think there's the other side of this that you and i talked about at lunch too which is you can get good at this and then you become proud this is where we talk about there's a christian way to to think about this right we're not seeking to be proud about what we've achieved financially we're seeking uh, to be so cars uh you, you you have ideas about cars? I know you cars do. Cars are the worst. Uh, and cars are the worst. If you're attracted to cars, I uh, I have sympathy for you. I really do because I don't like cars. I don't care about cars. But, you know, I have friends that they, they think cars are cool. I'm, and I get I'm one that. of those friends. You're one of those? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I will tell you it's a really big mistake. And I always like to give this example. Um, and stick with me here. Um, I have a van that I've been driving since 2000, a van. I have seen, I've ridden in this van. A I've van seen this van and ridden river. this van. <laughs> it's bad. It's a bad looking van. But here, here's, the point of, here's the point of the story. That van's cost to me was $420 a month. I paid $420 a month from 2000 to 2003. All right. From 2003 to today, I have not paid a payment does anybody without going to a calculator what do you think 420 for those 17 years equals just take a guess it's $85,000 now if I had kept buying a new car every year and there are people who do that they'll go four years pay off the car get another one pay off yeah. get another one yeah. lease 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 they are compound interest calculator you don't have to do it now. But there, take, there is a time we're going to do gonna it later. We're going to do it extra. You take your compound interest calculator and take that $85,000. Had you invested $420 a month for that amount of time, how much money do you think you'd have at the end of the 17 years? It's $150,000 at just a 6% interest. That eighty five dollars would be $150,000. Wowzers. Big money. 
all in a car that you're convinced that you have to have. Yeah. The, the what? I didn't hear it. Didn't oh, hear it. Keep, keep full insurance coverage. Yes, on the you got to keep full insurance coverage. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to have the coverage to replace the uh, the value of the car. It's or it's the replacement of the use of the car. Yeah, right. That's right. the difference, and enough insurance if you hit something. Yeah, that's exactly right. Now, um, and, and you know. I say I'm one of those person people who like cars. I, I, I was surprised the other day. I was leaving the city, and I saw on the side of the road this 1969 uh, Ford Mustang Mach 1 that had been completely restored, and it was for sale. And I did a U-turn you know, as quickly as th those can happen. Yes, yes, and um, this thing was a, an amazing vehicle, an amazing vehicle, and I really, it, that incident has just knocked me for a loop because I realized it was, it was out of the blue, you know, it was just completely unexpected, and here was this beautiful candy red, you know, candy apple red car sitting there, and I found myself thinking, what would it do to my finances to to buy this car? And it, and it really was not as as classic cars go. It was just not completely out of the ballpark, but it was pricey. Uh, and and I just I found myself trying to justify yeah. you know something like that. And boy, that was and I found myself getting really blue, you know, kind of down that I couldn't have that thing, yeah. you know, right then. And yeah. now that has, but, but right then it was like, if I don't have this, I think I'm going to die. Yeah. And this is, the, this is a great, this is a great point because there are two things here. Yeah, right. One is, and we talk about this later, I think is this notion of I can afford because it's probably true that you can afford that car. It, it is. It is. But what kind of pressure? Well, I'll let you. Well, ahead. yeah. And it's, what price are you paying to afford it? So it's one thing to say, I can afford it. But remember, I think God gives you money today for needs that you're going to have tomorrow. Mm. There's a day coming when you're going to be too old yeah. to generate income. That's right. And the money you spent on a candy red Mach 1 yes. is going to be needed. Don't right? say that again, because I, I will start wanting it again. I'm very uh, sorry. Yeah. It, it tastes so good, you want to lick it. Right? Exactly, exactly. I wanted to lick the car. I to lick the car. Uh. <laughs> but I, I, it's a dangerous thing if you're out and about and, I, and, and you're saying to yourself, I can afford. Mm. You're probably saying, I can afford looking at a very narrow range of your life. Yes. Meaning I have money in my wallet or I have money in my bank right now. Yes. But money, you can't think of it that way. It's what can you afford for your lifetime? You're taking care of your lifetime. And God's giving you that money for your lifetime. He's not giving you money for that. In that way, right. That yeah, way. yeah, yeah. That's that's just so helpful. It, we've got to take a longer view <clears throat> in a, a sort of a 
my life is a vapor kind of view, which the Bible tells us, you know, there's a there's this overarching view that we need to have, not just this, like you said, we, we look at this narrow bandwidth yes. of our lives and we take no account for tomorrow or, you know, in, in the way that we ought to. Because the Bible does say, you know, take no thought for tomorrow, but that's not what it's talking it's about there. Take no worry for tomorrow. Exactly. That's exactly right. So take plans for tomorrow. Take no worry for tomorrow. Yes. It's also interesting. The, the more that you commit to this way of life, the sooner you get to the point where you can afford in the great scheme of things that car. Right. And I'm reaching that point in my life where I'm feeling that kind of freedom. Yes. Because yes. I paid those prices in my 20s and 30s and 40s that now I that money has grown. That compound that. interest calculator has gotten there. That is beginning. I'm beginning to feel the rewards of that. Now you may think 54 is too long, John. I don't want to look like you and finally be able to get my car. <laughs> but I'm just telling you, it's it's worth the wait. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, see again, this th there is a certain lightness of spirit that that one can have. The Bible talks about free, yes. you know, like a like a bird frees itself, yes. you know, from its captor. It's a beautiful verse. It is. It really is. Um. And you talk about creating scarcity. What, what does that mean? Someone said it earlier, or maybe you did when you were giving the example. Um, creating artificial scarcity is just this notion that I came up with when I was in my 20s and 30s that um, let's say you're going to get that $30 a week raise. What we often do is we see that $30 a week raise coming. And I actually say, said $30 a month, but uh, if it's if it's a week, wow, that's let's great. Let's do a week. Let's okay. really be All generous. Right. All right. A generous boss. Yeah. So it's $30 a week and it's it's going to be effective on April the 1st and it's January the 1st. What do you do? It's January the 1st. On April the 1st is when you're going to start getting the $30 a week. What should you do? Buy a bunch of stuff because you're going to be making more money. <laughs> That's probably true. No. What's that? Yeah. But, but you don't have it yet. Yeah, right. here's the point. Here's the point. Don't wait till you get it to save it. Meaning, on April the 1st, tell your bank, I want you to withdraw the 30, I want you to start withdrawing $30 on uh. That's creating artificial scarcity. You've created you've created an artificial situation where the money never was there, and that's what you want. Because once you get yeah. money and you feel it, it's got a staying power like nothing else, and it will leave your hands. And so what I would do is, as soon as I knew that I was going to get a raise, I would I would spend that money yeah. before I got it. I would spend it on saving. It would became oh okay, I got would, it, I got would it. Spend it in that way. Future spending. Same uh, thing with when you save money. So if I I found myself saying okay, if I could knock fifteen dollars off my cable bill before I saw that savings, I'd already spent it. Meaning I would reinvest it. Uh, Those little bits, the fifteen here, the ten here, the thirty there, it added up so quick. And can I go to another point here? Real oh quick? yeah, absolutely. So imagine you're twenty two years old. And retirement age is roughly 67, okay? So that's a 45-year span of work, 45 years. How much money per week do you think you have to save to be a millionaire at 67? 
hundred bucks? Uh, saving a certain amount per week. Per week. Okay. How much? Okay, yeah, we'll go with stock market. Fifty bucks a week. Ten bucks a week. Okay, it's a hundred. Now, a hundred might sound like John. I can't get to a hundred. But it's easy to it's easier to get to hundred than you think when you start picking off that five and ten dollars like I'm talking about those little raises those little bits of saving. Okay. Same thing with with your company they're probably going to match your four hundred one k if you put in twenty dollars they're going to put in another twenty before you know it you're at a hundred it doesn't take that long and you don't have to start like a hundred now you can build you can build up build over build up. the next few it months or whatever a to a hundred yeah you'll find yourself. At five and then 10 and then 15 and you start squeezing and you see that raise coming and you save that raise before you get it you'll be at 100 before you know it so in 100 if you don't see it then what you're saying is if you don't see it you won't miss it you won't miss it you will not miss it wow okay okay right yeah Spending it on savings. I'm spending it on savings. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. So let's let's talk about saving then. Uh, that's spending. So here we are at savings. Getting. You know, I had a lady call me here at church about oh two weeks ago, something like that, and she said, "John, I've got X amount of dollars, and it's in a it's in another product." She wasn't really in the market, and the thing was making maybe maybe a percent, a percent and a half interest on it. It's awful. It's awful. And it was a lot of money. It was a lot of money that this uh, lady had in there. Um, the, the point is, is people are freaked out by the market. And has anybody been watching the market the last week? Mm. Okay. So if you had, if you had, um, let me do a quick calculation. If you had $29,000 in the market two weeks ago today, you woke up this morning with $25,000. You just lost $4,000 in about, about five days on the market. Mm. Now, this freaks people out, right? I don't want to be part of the market. The market, though, since 1923, what's called the standard and poor's. Don't be scared of these words, by the way. Standard and poor's is simple. Senator, or the what they call the S&P 500. Have you heard that term, the S&P 500? All it is is the top 500 companies on the stock market. S&P 500. Two people's names, Standard and Poor's, 500. 500 companies. The top 500 companies, they have watched those since 1912%. The average return. So, yes, the last three weeks have been horrible. But mm. guess what? If you stay in a long term, and I look at all you guys, you still have a long ways to go before you retire. You're going to get that, that money back. So my point is, get in the market. Don't put it in CDs. Don't put it in a savings account. Do something with your money to let your money work for you. Okay. Uh, that's, a, that's a very friendly way. I mean, sometimes we, we think it's all complicated and all that, but that's a very user-friendly way, what you just said about getting in the market. Max out your 401k. Yeah, there's, does anybody not like free money? <laughs> I mean, you'd be a fool, right? If you're not maxing out your 401k, you're making a big mistake. 
I get it that you might be in a situation where you, you really are barely covering your bills. I can appreciate that. But most companies have a 401k plan, and they're going to match a certain percentage of what you give in there. If you're not at least giving to the max that they're going to match, you're throwing away free money. You're throwing yeah. it away. Yeah. Every single week, every single month, every single year, the money is gone, and you'll never get it back, and it's absolutely free. So if they say we'll match 50 cents up to 6%, you got to get that 6%. Because you're missing the free money, you'll get. And and then okay, um, talk about retirement a little bit. It's hard, you say, to frugal your way to retirement. Yeah. What, what do you mean? So, does anybody uh, follow uh, Clark Howard? Anybody know Clark Howard? Nobody knows Clark. I've Howard. I've never heard that name. Oh I'm gosh. I'm unfamiliar. There's one person knows Clark Howard. Clark Howard is the most frugal person you'll ever, ever, ever meet. He is does a radio show. He's been doing a radio show since the early 90s. He knows everything that you can do to save money. The best cell phone plan, the best cable plan, the best car to buy. He knows it all. He's been doing this for absolutely years. He's frugal, 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 frugal. And he's a millionaire, but he's still frugal. He was, I was listening to him just uh, two days ago. He says in the winter, he keeps his heat at 55. Right? Right? He's just super, super frugal. Now, it's crazy, but here's my point. Now, he happens to be a millionaire. His entire also- family is in suspended animation. He'll <laughs> wake them when he retires. Uh, no, I don't know. Uh, he's a millionaire, but he's got a radio show and books and podcasts. There's reasons he's... Yeah. My point is he didn't frugal his way to retirement. My point here is if you're thinking I'm just going to conserve and conserve and conserve and save them all, you've got to be more expansive. Most people, if they're going to retire wealthy, it's not because they were just frugal. It's because they realized how to grow their income, meaning they went in the market. They maxed out their 401k. Those are big thinking ideas, expansive ideas. Frugal is the person just keeps getting smaller and says, I can spend less. I'm not buying that. I'm not buying a coffee. I'm not having any fun. You're not going to frugal right. your way to retirement. Okay. You're going to get your way to retirement in a different way. So you have to have these larger ideas and have a, a path to go there. Yes, you just right. can't, okay, uh, just do blind alley frugality. Um, all right, two easy rules. Give us the two easy rules. Two easy rules, two everybody. Easy rules. So these are just two easy rules that you can use in your back pocket. Now there are financial advisors that will that scoff at this. I I scoff at them because it just <laughs> it is really ridiculous that they can't. So there's this mutual scoffing going yeah. on. Uh, so if you want to know how quickly can I double my money? So in your mind right now, imagine whatever money you have saved, whatever money you have in your bank account. If it's five hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars, whatever it is, think about that amount of money. And so you ask yourself. How long would it take to double that money? Now, nobody can do compound interest calculation in their head. Okay? And I just aged myself. Nobody knows who Rain Man is. Very good. Okay, you know Rain Man. Good. (laughs) So here's the point. Um, The rule of 72... It's the rule of 72. It'll tell you how long it takes to double your money. Let's do an easy one. 
So let's do $10,000. Okay, let's say I have $10,000. I wonder how long it's going to take me to double that. So the first thing you ask yourself is, what do I think my interest rate's going to be? How much money am I going to make on that? Let's say I think it's going to be 8%. That's pretty reasonable, 8% in the market right now. All you got to do is take your 8%, whatever percent you come up with, and divide it into 72. What's 72 divided by 8? 9. That's how many years it takes to double your money. So if it's 6%, how long does it take to double your money? Oh, come on. 12. Six, six goes into 72 how many times? Let's do it again. You guys are really doing bad. Let's say if you do, you think it's 10%. Divide 72 by 10. You get seven and some change. So your money will double in seven years. So the rule of 72 helps you quickly determine how you have the, the compound interest calculator. It will do it super accurate, but it's not far off. It's just a great way to say, how can I double my money? The other rule is the 4% rule. This is a really, really important rule. A lot of people say, well, how much money do I need in retirement? It's a difficult question to answer. I've been trying to answer it for myself. And there's all kinds of very sophisticated ways to do it. You can go out on the internet. There's all kinds of calculators. They're hard to figure out. But a 4% rule is really cool. What a 4% rule does is says, whatever money you've saved by the time you retire, you can live off of, four, it will generate 4% interest. Just go 4% because when you get into retirement, you're not going to be in the stock market as heavily as you are today, right? So Because you're not going to put that much money at risk. So you're going to want yeah. to pull it back into bonds or something. But 4%. So let's just imagine you did get the and, million And 4% is a safe number? Is that, is that why you number. say that? Okay. Let me give you the example. Let's say you saved uh, $500,000 by the time you retired at 67, $500,000. What's 4% of $500,000? What is it? Come on. It's $20,000. It's $20,000. So what, they're, what I'm saying is the 4% rule tells you that that $500,000 will generate $20,000 of income for you, and you'll, you will die, and there'll still be $500,000 in there. That's why if you get to a million then you're at 40,000 mm -hmm. and it's going to generate $40,000 a year for you. That's not including your social security. That's not including you maybe working part-time. So my point is the 4% rule is just a quick way to go. How much would I have? And it can either scare you or motivate you, but yeah. that's a way to think about it. Okay. Okay. Good. Um, all right. Uh, now get, so the 72% rule and the 4% rule, 72 great. rule and, the, and the 72 whole, rule. And, and then the 4% rule. rule. Okay, let's talk about giving. So we talked about uh, saving. Let's talk about spending, saving, giving. Um, and you you give. You you're a big proponent of this. You give first, and that's just right off the top. Yeah. If you if you uh, wait to see if you can give, that's danger ground. And you're talking about charitable giving or giving to the church, or yes. you know that that kind of thing, tithing. So you you just do, do it. it. No ifs, ands, or buts. Just okay. just give. And I. I recommend, and I didn't used to do this, get involved with a nonprofit beyond your church. Mm, good. There's something about the church is a spiritual place, right? Yes. We, we are, you know, when the, in the book of Acts, it talked about we are, we are funding this church so we get spiritually fed by people who can to shepherd us, right? Yeah. That's, a, that's a, an important thing. 
yes, the church also does other good works, but often we get insulated from oh, the yeah. needs of the community. And finding a, a, a good nonprofit like SAM or Mission Road or Brighton House, I mean, there are hundreds of nonprofits around this, this city that you can give your time to. You don't have to give your money to, but just get involved with them. And it, and it, it shapes you it shapes as you do that, right? It shapes you. You should you should be involved. I didn't do that for a long time, and I regret that I did. Mm. Um, sins, uh, sins of the heart uh, are they? They're in the hearts of the poor and the rich. I mean, it's just sin is an equal opportunity resident, I guess, of uh, of, of everybody, and so um, we all have to be on guard. And if we're given if we have little to work with, that's why I guess Jesus says, if you're faithful and little, you know, you can be faithful and much. Whatever you have is the question is, are you going to be faithful with that in, in giving or in leveraging right. that for good? And if you're a, if you're poor, you can be stingy. If you're poor, you can be greedy. We sure. think of those as sins of the rich, but there's, there's, there's sins of the poor and the rich. That, that's, that's right. Um, giving your, your heart. Right. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be. Yeah. It doesn't say where your heart is, there will your treasure be. It says where your treasure is, your heart is. And what, what the Bible is teaching, remember, it says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, but in heaven. Because it was saying, if you if you value and put your attention and, and time and money on heavenly things, your heart follows. It's a way to draw your heart. That's what the Bible is telling you, right? And so... If you're wanting your heart on heavenly things, spend it on heavenly values. Do a heavenly thing. Well, I'm glad you said attention, and that's really a a, a very down-to-earth way of explaining that um, because you're going to be paying attention to where you've put a lot of resources or put any resources. That's right. Uh, and, and it could be something that's totally you know, self-absorbed, or it could be something that is a, a charitable work or something, but you're going to be paying attention. So if you are giving to uh, charitable work, you're going to be paying attention to needy people and to those, Absolutely. you know, so. It, it, just a, a perfect example is give $1,000 to a five-year-old. Give your $1,000. And you're going to pay attention. You're going to pay attention because <laughs> they're going to take it and throw it in a garbage can. You go, what the? It, it, your, your heart follows your treasure. That is awesome. Everybody try that. Um, all right, now it's time for the interest calculator exercise, John. Okay. Let's let's uh, let's get there. Um, this is the in compound interest calculator. Compound interest calculator. Okay. By the what way, are we doing? I, we I got doing? a text that said, "Get closer to the microphone." Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Whoops. All right. How's that? Um, all right. Open your compound interest calculator. Now, don't let anybody see this. This will be a private thing. It should look like this, if you can kind of see that. It, it's it's up here now. Okay, perfect. Yeah. All right. Now, all right. Uh, I guess you're you can do a fake one, right? Yeah. Like, right. All right. So, welcome to my finances. Okay. I uh, want the world to see your. your <laughs> yeah. All right. right. Put in the it's a depressing years, story. The number um, of years to retirement. Let's all use sixty-seven. Let's use 60, sixty-seven. Sixty-seven years until retirement. No. Six, that. At 67, you'll retire. Oh, oh, okay. How many years until you're 67? Gosh, that's two years. No, uh, that's... Uh... All right, did you do it? All right, now, on your... 
on your interest rate, on your interest rate, we're going to play with this one a little bit, um, but we're only going to do 6%. Now, I told you the market over time has done 12. Just put in six. Just put in six. We're going to come back and play with it. <laughs> All right. On your initial contribution, that's how $1,000, $10,000, $40,000, put whatever that number is. All right. Now, on the next line, on the next line where it says monthly edition, how much will you contribute per month? All right. Where it says compound, just go annually. It gets complicated here. Just go annually. Now, now look at your end capital. Look at your end capital. In this, okay, so in this example, 11 years of retirement, 6% interest, $10,000 RSA, he's going to put $50 a month. So his end capital, he started with $10,000, he's going to end with $27. He only contributed, though, $16.6. That's all he really contributed. You, you follow me? The, the so I'm, I'm going to have. Nearly twenty-eight thousand dollars. Now let's do the four percent rule. It's not gonna be enough to buy that car. Yeah. Uh, so what's the four percent rule on twenty-eight thousand? Oh wow! Yeah. 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 That's it to the app. That's all we're getting up to nearly $29,000 right there. Uh, okay. What? No, go ahead. Yeah. You know, I'm going to dodge it because it depends. On so many things, do you, um, are you married? Do you have children? Do you have a like with me? I have a special needs kid, right? That I'm gonna have to take care of Jack until he dies, right? Which means I'd have to live to 120. If he lives a normal length life, it means I have to think about me living to 120 and my money lasting to 120. So it really depends. A financial advisor and a really sophisticated calculator can teach you that, but. Um, and it also depends too on what kind of pension you get. I think you were in the military or in, are in the military, right? You got to put all that together. The four percent rule will help you a lot, though. If you put your pension and your four hundred one k and your savings together, you can come up with your four four percent. And then go go to go to socialsecurity.com and do what's called a PEBS, and it'll tell you what your social security is. Well, see, this is these are super helpful tools, and and I guess decide rather than saying how much you're coming at it from what am I going to want to do, right? I mean, you start from that end. Yeah, what are you going to want to do? What, what, do I, what does my life look like? What does my life look like? Because what I think is, there's, you know, when you look at the verse, it says, my God shall supply all of your need. Um, I, if you flip that, there's a logical flip you can do that says, well, how much do I need? If God will, provides all your need, then the question was, what do I need? I think the answer is whatever you have. Mm. That's why I answered the question the way you, the way I asked it for you. Well, what will you have uh -huh. at 67? Okay. That might be what you need. Now, it, it may not be, but there's, there's a way to start using that as a, as a quick litmus test to say maybe, maybe God's telling you 
let's get let's get saving. The four percent rule is whatever amount of money you have at retirement, if you use a four percent interest on that money, that money will generate that four percent back to you, and you'll never touch the principal. And that money will, and you can leave that as a legacy to your to your children. That is awesome. Um, let's let's talk a, a, just a couple more things about spiritual uh, realities in regard to money. And and while we do this, there are a couple of questions that have come in on Slido. But again, you can go to <clears throat> slido.com and type in your question. It'll come right to me, and we're going to get to those in just a moment. Um, <clears throat> we don't want money. You say. Yeah. Say more about that. We don't want money. We want what it buys and we want how it makes us feel. Now, I'm going to use you as an example okay. and I'm going to juxtapose you and me because okay. I think it's a, you, at least an example of the car, you wanted what money bought, mm -hmm. right? You wanted the car because money in mm -hmm. itself has no value. Like a dollar bill is worth less than a nickel. It's actually the, the, pa the, the paper, paper is worth less so than forth. a nickel. Yeah. Okay. You want what the money buys, right? I wanted for, I want what money makes me feel like mm. what money made me feel like was secure. Somebody at our table said this money just makes me feel secure. And I remember feeling insecure as a child because we were so poor. So I wanted to get money because it made me feel secure. When I got to the point where I felt that security, that's when I, when we talked last time, I told you, I started to realize that was a, there was a sin in that because mm. in the same way you were coveting a car, mm -hmm. I was just simply coveting security. And God was saying, that's the, that's the throne I sit on. Mm. You get security from me, not from money. That's right. But I was feeling it. I was feeling that security from, so from you, money. you had a sort of the intangible of security. Uh, I would have the, they're both substitutes for what God that's right. alone can that's right. provide us. Um, Proverbs sixteen nine. This is a great, a great truth yeah, encapsulated. So, yeah. So the I may quote it poorly, but it's something like, "Man deviseth his plans, mm -hmm. but God directs his steps." That's right. And the point is, you come up with your plan, and you should. I believe we should have mm -hmm. a financial plan. You should have a set of goals and a set of objectives. And how am I going to get to this? But you have to do that in a way that says, but God directs the steps. And, and that's so great because it's not saying don't make a plan. It's not saying that's a bad thing. It's not juxtaposing a good thing with a bad thing in Proverbs 69. It's saying right. be open to the reality that there's a higher authority there. Yeah, I right? mean, God is not, he's certainly not capricious. He's not going, oh, you got a plan? A I'm going to foil that. It's not what he Thank does. Thank you for saying that. God, I think sometimes we... There's a popular strain of teaching that says, well, I made my plans, but God God came along and he just upended everything. I mean, I, he's not capricious. No. He's not. Sometimes he says, I love your plan. That's the plan I wanted you to have. I'm going to bless it. Hmm. That's good. Um, and and let's, we would be remiss if we didn't mention um, contentment. Um, yeah, I... I do think that once you make your plans, sometimes those plans go awry. And I read a I read a book the other day, or uh, I read a book the other day called The Soul of Prayer. It was by an old congregational minister from the 1800s, and he and he said something that I, I is stuck in my brain. And he said, 
there's a prayer contained in every prayer you pray or should be. Meaning, whether you're asking for God relieve this physical pain, God help me financially, God help me at work, that there's a prayer inside all of those prayers. And that prayer is, thy will be done. Mm. It's, it should be in your attitude in every prayer. Meaning, I'm asking for this, but I understand I might get something else. It's the prayer that Jesus prayed. God, if this cup can pass from me, I don't want to drink this cup of suffering. And, and, and God said, but Jesus said, but if I must, I will. Mm. And I think that that's how we should think about our finances too. To your point, you build a plan, you pray over that plan, but inside the prayer of that plan is, I will be done. And I would say, I looked at my, you know, look at my dad's life. That's the way his life was. His, his finances never quite clicked. His will, God's will was done in my dad's life. That, that's razor sharp, razor power to you there. And we needed to hear that uh, always. We need to hear that. Uh, what's the best? These are some questions that have come in on Slido. Again, send these in if you want. What's the best way to save? You, you mean in terms of financial products? That I Well, it just says what's the best yeah, way to save. I would say uh, the best way to save for me is max out whatever your work offers you start there because they're usually tax deductible and you get some free money and you're in the market. Those three things right there are you're well on it's your turnkey, way. It's turnkey. Yeah. Really well on your way. Okay. And uh, by the way, it'll come off your check before you see it. That's great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, credit is bad yet. We're always being told that it's important to build our credit and the way to build it is to use it. What gives, I mean, what's yeah, your advice? This is easy. So you just pay off, you just pay it off in the month. There's you, it's easy to go. And, and that's what I did. Um, I remember I, my very first credit card was a JC Penney credit card. I went and bought a shirt and just bought it off. I paid it off. I didn't pay any interest on it. Um, and I use a credit card today. I put everything on my credit card and pay it off in full. I put all my gas, I put everything on it. I just paid off full and I get free sky miles. Well, that, that's awesome. And, and, uh, that is so, um, you know, it's like people, we, we often say, oh, you mean I don't have to run up the bill? Yeah, you know, no. I can just buy. Uh, okay. It's not debt they're looking for. They're looking for a habit of paying off a bill. That's what the credit companies are looking for. And that's right. And, and that builds your sense of responsibility there. But we have a hard time thinking of just keeping it under control. Uh, that's right. We, we really do. Um, yeah. And, and you can use your cash back to, to pay off your debt. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh. Yeah. It's, isn't it dumb? But you get suckered into it. <laughs> yeah. They've done studies that when you use a credit card to buy, you purchase 33% That's, more. Yes, I've heard this. Yes. And so you're right. The, the, credit card, the credit card is bad at so many levels. But yeah, you, you spend more when you're... Got it. How to use it? Yeah. That's right. That's right. And they're coming in the mail and zero yeah. percent for nine months, and it's just—it's terrible. Um. How? I, and by the way, younger 
uh, Generation Z and that, that kind of... I wonder, it doesn't seem like they're using credit as much. They're and not. I, isn't that interesting? Yeah, I mean, they say it's because they experienced the meltdown and saw their parents go through the 2008 meltdown. Okay. And they're, they're also seeing all of the uh, college debt that they've accumulated, so yes. they're, they're behaving differently. So some good is coming out of Sounds that. Good coming in, out of interestingly, it. okay. Um, how do I deal with temptation in the moment and allow the desire for something later to prevail over the desire for something now? I don't know if I can answer. I mean, you, you've got to de re develop some muscle. You just got to develop some spiritual muscle there. And I'd say, um, t take. Take some time to, to feel the feeling of winning this, right? If, if you start to win and save, I guarantee you the, the winning that you start having on the saving side, and you start playing with this calculator and you see the money growing and you see what you can have by 67, that thing becomes tastier than whatever the stupid thing is that you're going to yeah, buy. Right. I mean, look at your garage. Most garages are a, are a testimony to your idiocy. <laughs> that is... That's quotable right yeah. there. Uh, the garage. The testimony, testimony to, to idiocy. idiocy. Yeah. Okay. Also, as you were saying that, it dawned on me, maybe if an, another, an additional thing is to get out of our own heads with this thing. Sometimes we wrestle with this, you know, I really want this thing. Maybe two or three trusted friends and you just say, here's what I'm thinking and, and, and just bat yeah, this see. around, you know, with, with some trusted people and, and you, you sort of go, Oh yeah, yeah that sounds kind of dumb. It, it, it or, does. Or, I, or I think whatever. that's a good idea. The other, the other tip I might give is you can make some decisions more spiritual because I think sometimes you got to look in your heart and go, why do I want that? Right. So whatever decision yeah. you're making in that moment, you got to ask yourself, am I doing this because I'm ashamed of what I have, or I'm trying to, make somebody else think something about me that's not true. Those are spiritual decisions. Yeah. That boy, that is exactly right. Um, oh yeah. Yes. Or not mock one. Yeah. Yeah, all right, exactly. Yeah. I like that. It's so true. It's so true. I mean, just take a look at some of the stuff you have bought. I, I bet you'll go, eh, I was dumb to buy that. Yeah, exactly. Testimony to idiocy. To idiocy. Wow. Testament to idiocy. Um, love that the the american garage uh, <laughs> testament, to testament to idiocy that's a new tlc show uh, <laughs> oh, that's you, great yeah that's i'm great. telling you there's uh okay the love of money the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil how do you actively seek to love god instead of money and maybe i don't know if it's saying how do you do that but yeah I, how do I, you do that i struggle to love god i mean there's no doubt about it i struggle to love god i think those for people who off the cuff say, I love God, um, 
I love them with all our heart. I envy them if they're telling the truth. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's hard to love God. God commands us to do it, and I think it takes work to do it. And I think I would follow the rule that says, keep placing your treasure in heavenly things. That's the only way to get your heart to move in that direction. And, right, exactly. We cannot give up the fact that we, we have the ability to be shaped mm-hmm. by what we give our money to. This is the God who has made the, the mathematics that allow compound interest to work. So he, you know, he's, he's kind of, he's genius in that way. And you would want to love somebody who's yes. such a genius. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Maybe. I don't, I that. um, okay. Well, uh, let's thank John for, oh yes, you had, a, you had a question here. Yes. I'm I'm hard of hearing, so if you can help me with the question, um, is there's an accumulation of junk? Yep. Uh, and is that what you're going? Just we we accumulate junk. Where where we're going? Hell in a handbasket. I think that pretty much. No, I'm kidding. Um, what does it say that we that that we have such testaments? To, it is idiocy with the climate control. Uh, you lock it, you keep the key. The storage oh, yeah, buildings. Yeah, yeah. It's just a bigger garage. Is yeah, that yeah. what we're? I think people are are searching to satisfy something and they're struggling to get that thing satisfied. Mm. And I think a lot of people who go, it's like you watch the, the new restaurant come open, right? And everybody goes there and they go back to work and talk about how great it was. Yeah. And then you see that restaurant kind of die off and then there's a new right. one. And it's, it, I think people are just chasing something that's filling a hole. And I think they do that with purchasing. And I think that they're filling a hole. And, you know, I love the way Billy Graham used to say it. There's that hole is only filled by God. And That's yeah, right. I think it yeah. was St. Augustine that said, um, God has made you for himself and um, you're restless until you find your rest in him. That's right. Uh, I, I think that that's the, that's the problem is the Absolutely. unsatisfied soul of man. Contentment. We, we, that's the secret. Contentment. That's what Paul said. Um, let, okay. Let's thank John for being here. And uh, you need to come back. Okay.